1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through judges.
0: Real love is
2: calling opens up your eyes. Mercy is with every sunrise. My prayer always is: Lord, I want to grow close to you and learn important lessons without having to go through trials. <laughs> You know, I'm just selfish enough and and weak enough to not want to have to learn the hard way. But it is so typical of human nature that we often don't learn the lessons until we go through the difficulties. If we could just stay the course, we wouldn't incur a lot of the problems that we bring into our lives when we disobey God.
1: Many of the people we read about in the Bible had a big failure at some point. There was David's sin with Bathsheba, Moses is killing the Egyptian, and Peter denying Jesus. We can read about these stories and pull out great lessons from them without having to go through it ourselves. In today's message, Pastor Gary will be sharing how staying the course in God's teaching can help us avoid trials. There will be trials we face that we have no control over, but there are others that can be avoided with the wisdom of Scripture. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Judges, chapter 5, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
2: So in our study through the book of Judges, we are going to be looking here at 12 judges in the book of Judges. We have made our way so far through the first Four, we are still presently on Deborah. Deborah is the fourth judge of Israel. Remember that a judge during the time of history in, in the nation of Israel that we're reading about here in the book of Judges, a judge was not some black-robed official with a gavel. A judge was a military leader or a military deliverer that God would raise up on his behalf in order to lead the people of Israel for this period of time. The book of Judges covers about 400 years. And when we look here at Deborah, we left off at the end of chapter 4, and she still has one more chapter here in in chapter 5. Her name in Hebrew is Devorah. Devorah means bee, as in bumblebee, not ant bee. Uh, She uh, has a name that means bee. There are very few women who were ever raised up to lead Israel. She's in a unique class of her own. In fact, she's the only woman that God raised up to lead Israel until 1969 when Golda Meir became prime minister of Israel. So she's in a class all of her own, and she has a military leader with her, Barak, and it is somewhat confusing as to whether or not he was a reluctant leader or whether he was passive or whether he was actually someone that God chose just as much as he chose Deborah. Because the interesting thing is, as much as Barak looks like a, a passive guy, that Deborah's always having to motivate and coax to lead the army of Israel, he does get an honorable mention in Hebrews chapter 11. In the Hebrew Hall of Faith, Barak is mentioned. Deborah's not mentioned in Hebrews 11. So an interesting period of time in Israel's history, the dynamics between Deborah and Barak. But she is the one that God has raised up for such a time as this. And Barak is her military leader with her. And there are five things about Deborah we noted last. And we ended with the last one. So the first thing is that she was a prophetess. It tells us in chapter 4, the first part of verse 4. She was also a fiery woman. That's because it tells us in also in verse 4 of chapter 4 that she was the wife of Lapidoth, but the Hebrew actually is Eshet Lapidoth. Eshet Lapidoth. Lapid lapid means fire. So in a Hebrew Bible, the literal translation is a fiery woman. It doesn't say she's the wife of Lapidoth. So it's an interesting... Translation between our English Bibles and a Hebrew Bible, so I opt for the original language here. So it probably is an indication she was kind of a spicy lady. She was uh, she was on fire. She was maybe type A, you know, whatever you want to say. She was um, she had the chutzpah, shall we say that right? And that God used to lead Israel at this particular time. She was also obviously a judge. That's why she's listed there among the judges. And by the way, on the list of the judges, she is a formidable judge during this time in Israel's history. She was also a warrior, it tells us in chapter 410, we don't know necessarily that she engaged in hand-to-hand combat, it doesn't say this, but she went to the front lines as Barak led the army of Israel, and she certainly was there to encourage them and to motivate them to fight for the Lord. But it's this last one that we didn't really get to, which is she's a songwriter, because all of chapter 5 that we're about to read here is a song. Tells us, look at your Bibles there, verse 1, it says, then Deborah and Barak, the son of... Abinoam sang on that day. So it's I guess it's a joint effort here where she and Barak have this song, and it is on the heels of the victory that God has given them over the Canaanites. And chapter four ended it pretty gruesomely because there was a woman also that God used in chapter four, Yael, whose name means wild mountain goat. She lived up to her name. She took a hammer and a tent peg and nailed a guy's head to the floor of her tent. So, uh, somebody you don't want to fall asleep on. You want to keep one eye open if you're in Jael's tent. That's for sure. But, um, she did it because Sisera was the general of the Canaanite army and he was fleeing. And so she finished him off. And, uh, Jael is actually going to get mentioned here in Deborah's song in chapter five. She gets a whole stanza. So we're going to read through chapter five. It, it, it's pretty simple. It reads for itself. I'm going to read most of it without much commentary. We don't know what the tune is to chapter 5. It just says it's a song. So put your own tune to it. I personally have put the Gilligan Island theme song to it. You know, that's just what comes to my head in verse 2. When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly... You know, that's how I'm going with it. But you, you, you do whatever you want with it. And those of you who are too young to even know, what in the world is Gilligan's Island? I mean, for goodness sakes, my middle school youth pastor didn't even know who Diana Ross was. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So anyway, I won't sing this. I'm just going to read it. But it was as a song. Verse two, when leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Mount from Seir, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured, the clouds also poured water, the mountains gushed before the Lord, this Sinai before the Lord God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, now Shamgar was also a judge. He was the third judge of Israel, but he only gets like one verse. But in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, this is the same lady we'll see later, gets mentioned even further in this song. The highways were deserted, and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. You know, it's interesting, she doesn't... She doesn't say in this song, you know, she's singing this in the first person. She doesn't say, I, Deborah, the prophetess. She doesn't say, I, Deborah, the judge. She doesn't say, I, Deborah, the warrior. She says, I, Deborah, the mother. And, you know, the beauty of just being a mother is what she highlights about her life. There's a lot of things she could say about herself, but it is the joy of being a mom in Israel. It says in verse 8, they chose new gods. And then there was war in the gates, not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with the rulers of Israel, who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. Speak, you who ride on white donkeys, who sit in judge's attire, and who walk along the road, far from the noise of the archers, among the watering places. There they shall recount the righteous acts of the Lord. The righteous acts for his villagers in Israel. And then the people of the Lord shall go down to the gates. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, sing a song. Arise, Barak, and lead your captives away, O son of Abinoam. And then the survivors came down, the people against the nobles. The Lord came down for me against the mighty. From Ephraim, were those whose roots were in Amalek, After you, Benjamin, with your peoples. From Machir, rulers came down, and from Zebulun, those who hear the recruiter's staff. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah, as Issachar, so was Barak, sent into the valley under his command among the divisions of Reuben. There were great resolves of heart. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds to hear the pipings for the flocks? The divisions of Reuben have great searchings of heart. Gilead, Stayed beyond the Jordan. And why did Dan remain on ships? Asher continued at the seashore and stayed by his inlets. Zebulun is a people who jeopardized their lives to the point of death. Naphtali also on the heights of the battlefield. And so she mentions here in her song the different tribes of Israel. And she says, you know, some were valiant and fought well, and and others uh, like Dan just remained on the ships. Uh, they didn't really engage in in the warfare. But she commends those who did. She mentions those who didn't. Verse nineteen, she continues. The kings came and fought. Then the kings of Canaan fought in Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They took no spoils of silver. They fought from the heavens. The stars from their courses fought against Sisera. The torrent of Kishon swept them away. That ancient torrent, the torrent of Kishon, O my soul, march on in strength. Then the horse's hooves pounded, the galloping of his steeds. Curse Meroz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants bitterly, because they did not come to the help of the Lord against the mighty. And then here's the stanza to Yael. Most blessed among women, Jael, the wife of Heber the Cainite. blessed is she among women in tents. He asked for waters about Sisera. He asked for water, she gave milk. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. She stretched her hand to the tent peg. Can you imagine singing this? You know, she started, I mean it's uh, not a very joyful song here, but uh but worth remembering her right hand to the workman's hammer. She pounded, says Sarah. She pierced his head. She split and struck through his temple. At her feet, he sank. He fell. He lay still. Yeah, he can't move. He's you know, nailed to the ground. At her feet, he sank. He fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. The mother of Sisera looked through the window. Now, this is interesting because, you know, Deborah, who referred to herself earlier as a mother in Israel, she's going to have compassion for Sisera's mom, even though Sisera was a guy who came against God and against God's people. And so he dies in battle here at the hand of Jael. Nevertheless, Deborah, out of compassion for a mother who's lost a son, sings about her. The mother of Sisera looked through the window and cried out through the lattice. Why is this chariot so long in coming? Why tarries the clatter of his chariots? Her wisest ladies answer her. Yes, she answered herself. Are they not finding and dividing the spoil to every man a girl or two? For Sisera, plunder of dyed garments, plunder of garments embroidered and dyed, two pieces of dyed embroidery for the neck of the looter. Thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord." But let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. And so the land had rest. Some of your translations say peace, but it's not shalom. It's the Hebrew word shakat. Shakat means like tranquility. The land had rest or tranquility for 40 years. So this ends Deborah, her rule or leadership as judge. And again, she is just the fourth of the judges so from Othniel who's the first judge until Deborah the fourth judge by the end of chapter four if you want to make a notation in your Bible we've already covered 206 years 206 years at the end of her rule because the Canaanites have been defeated they have this song singing about the victory that God gave them over the Canaanites Israel experiences peace for 40 years Now, if you have been here for a study of Judges, you know what happens now. They are living in a time of peace. And what happens when they live in a time of peace? They forget God. And they start worshiping the gods of the neighbors around them, the false gods. And so then God brings the foreign enemies against Israel to to discipline his people. Until then, they cry out to the Lord Then God raises up another judge, and then they get peace, and thus the cycle continues. And so, this is that cycle that we've been talking about. So while they've been experiencing 40 years of peace, guess what happens? They grow lazy again in their walk with the Lord. You know, trials are often the best teachers. But... My prayer always is, Lord, I want to grow close to you and learn important lessons without having to go through trials. (laughs) You know, I'm just selfish enough and weak enough to not want to have to learn the hard way. But it is so typical of human nature that we often don't learn the lessons until we go through the difficulties. If we could just stay the course we wouldn't incur a lot of the problems that we bring into our lives when we disobey God. This is the pattern of the Israelites. We need to learn from them. When all was going well, if they had just continued to press into the Lord and maintain that close walk with him, things would have gone better for them. But because during a time of peace, they got lazy in their walk with the Lord, they started compromising Then they invited hardship, and so into chapter 6. We won't get very far into chapter 6, but we're going to introduce you now to the fifth judge of Israel, who is Gideon. Gideon is one of my favorite people in all of the Bible. He gets the most scripture reference in the book of Judges than any other judge. Samson gets second place, but Gideon is going to get more press coverage, if you will, in the Bible in the book of Judges than all the other judges. His name means hewer, H-E-W-E-R, as in one who cuts something down or one who carves something, chisels something. It's probably, because Israel's a very stony place, those of you who've been with me to Israel, you know, it probably is a reference to someone who would hew out Out of bedrock, and we're going to see probably in relation to his skill where he is found here by the Lord and what he's doing. But we come now to this cycle, and we're introduced to Gideon because Gideon is going to be the next judge that God raises up. But this is what it says in chapter six. We'll we'll get a little ways through here and and at least get through an introduction to Gideon. It says, "Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord." Okay, let me put back our, our cycle. So here you go; they're doing evil. In the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian. Here come the Midianites. For seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. And so it was... Whenever Israel had sown, that is talking about, you know, they're planting, they're trying to glean a harvest here, but every time they had sown, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them, and then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, that's still the territory of present-day Gaza along the Mediterranean coast, and leave no sustenance for Israel neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. So pause there for a moment. So here come the Midianites and along with them the Amalekites and also it just says this uh, generic term people of the east would come up and they're taking advantage of Israel during this time. Now originally the Midianites were friendly people to the Israelites. If you remember uh, your history in your Bibles when Moses killed an Egyptian thinking that he was supposed to be the deliverer for the Hebrew people at that time, which He had the what right, but he had the when wrong, okay? God had not called him to be the deliverer yet, so he rushed ahead, and he single-handedly kills an Egyptian who is a heavy-handed taskmaster whipping some Hebrew slaves. Moses takes matters into his own hand, kills the guy, buries him in the sand, but he is seen, so his cover's blown, so now he flees, and where did Moses flee? He fled to Midian, and he hung out in Midian. It's the Arab Peninsula. He's hiding out in, in Arabia, in Midian, and he has friendly relations with the Midianites. In fact, he finds a wife among the Midianites. So originally, the Midianites were friendly with the Israelites. But at some point in history, they turn and they become enemies of Israel. And now they are full force enemies of Israel. And they are coming against Israel in such large numbers that a little bit later in the sixth chapter, we read that they were as numerous as a swarm of locusts coming across the land. And they're coming here to attack the Israelites. Again, this is what God has allowed because of this cycle of disobedience. Here come the Midianites to get the Israelites' attention. And it tells us here that when the Midianites would come upon the land, that they practiced what we would call in modern warfare, scorched earth policy. In other words, they would come into a region and they would ravage it. They would plunder and take the crops, livestock, everything, and then they would burn it. They would just burn it so that it would be left just a terrible, you know, barren wilderness in their wake. Those were the Midianites. Very cruel people. And they're coming against the Israelites this way. And they are destroying crops and they're taking everything that they possibly can. They're, they are robbing Israel of their crops and also their sheep, their donkeys, all their livestock. And so keep reading verse 5. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They were typically Bedouin people also. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. There it is. Both they and their camels were without number. And they would enter the land to destroy it. And so Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So here's our cycle. Okay. Forty years of peace. They get lazy. They start... Rebelling against God, God sends the Midianites, here come the Midianites, now the people are crying out to God after seven years of being oppressed by the Midianites, and it says in verse 7, and it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet, now this is an unnamed prophet, we don't know who this is, he sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, this is what the prophet is saying on behalf of the Lord, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt. And brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all who oppressed you, and drove them out before you, and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God, do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. You see, there it is. It's like you've been rebellious against the Lord. You have not obeyed the Lord. And so here come the Midianites to get your attention. So this prophet exhorts the people. This is what has happened. You have forgotten and forsaken the God who delivered you out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery, brought you into this promised land, cleared the land so that you could dwell among the land that God has given you on oath to your forefathers. But you have allowed these pagan nations to influence you, and you have disobeyed me, and you have forsaken me. So God's going to raise up a judge. And this is, again, number five. This is Gideon, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, not Oprah, okay, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon, here we are introduced to him, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. All right, pause there for a moment, because now we're introduced to the one who will become the fifth judge of Israel, to Gideon. I want you to notice it says in verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came. And as we've mentioned before, many times when you see in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord with the direct article, the, and in my Bible, I'm reading from New King James, it even capitalizes the word angel. Angel. Okay, oftentimes in the Old Testament, when you see the phrase, the angel of the Lord, it is what we call a Christophany. This is actually an appearance of Jesus. Remember, Jesus didn't suddenly, you know, just become created at the time of the virgin birth. jump in and you
1: find the your run towards your new life. Thank you for joining us today here on Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the book of Judges. It's a great reminder to the kid inside us, to the human flesh that is bent to fulfill its own desires. Whatever we do, someone always sees it. Nothing goes unnoticed, especially those things we wished had been overlooked. Isn't that the role of a parent, though, to discipline the behavior of sin? Jesus is the same way with the Israelite nation and us. He doesn't allow sin to go without consequence. But He's also lovingly fair and desires each one of us to return to Him. Maybe you felt like that kid who's gotten off track with God. We can't be perfect, but we can pray that we'll have the strength to do what's right and follow in God's footsteps. Are you struggling with that? Would you like someone to pray with you? If so, please email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry located in Leesburg, Virginia, committed to sharing the love of Christ with you through sound biblical teachings that meet you where you're at. To find out more about us, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That website again is cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for listening to this edition of Cornerstone Connection.